Hi, Richard. How are you? Yeah, yeah. Fine. Thanks, Emily. How about you? I'm mostly okay. I've just got a lot on at the moment and I've got to prepare a report, catch up on emails, look at my team's messages, review a piece of work for someone in the team, create a presentation on the next month's activities, focus on my BAU, anything ad hoc that's coming in. Then I've also got some personal bits and pieces that I've got to fit into my week. I've got to take my son here. I've got to do that with him. I need to go and see my mum at some point. Oh, and I want to go and see my friends. Oh, and find some time for myself. Emily, Emily, take a breath. You don't seem quite yourself. Are you really okay? Well, that's a really good question. I think I've got so much going on, I just need to take a breath and find some time to work on a plan and give myself a break for five minutes before I get overwhelmed. I've seen this before and it's part of my personality type that when I'm up against it and I'm not particularly having a good day, I can just turn up a bit manic. Well, that sounds like a great topic for the podcast. our next episode of if it's hurting it's not working and this time we're going to talk a little bit more about mental health time to talk day is happening on the 3rd of february so we just wanted to tie that in with that and theme it around mental health time to talk day is run by mind the mental health charity and rethink mental illness it's covered throughout the whole of the uk And the day is all about creating a supportive communities by having conversations with family, friends or colleagues about mental health. We all have mental health. By talking about it, we can support ourselves and others. Yeah. And and look, I mean, this time of the year, it's cold. It's dark a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. We've been stuck in our home, some of us, over the last couple of months, more than we would have liked. So I guess, in, in a sense, we're feeling a bit lonely, perhaps, maybe a bit unfulfilled. So it's definitely a time for us to think about what that's doing to us. Yeah, and like you say, I think we've been at home just before Christmas. We kind of saw it on the horizon again that potentially we're going to face more lockdowns in England. They certainly did in Scotland and Wales. And the anticipation of that and the anxiety that that can cause. And then obviously after Christmas, the advice came out from the government again for for people to work from home where they could. And that's, when you think about it, we're now coming up to, it's February tomorrow. Yeah. We're beginning into the third year that we've been experiencing the pandemic. And mm. while we can all work with change and navigate our ways through that, I think when you see it as a temporary change and that actually, it's okay, I can do this. I can work from home short term while we're getting through the pandemic to keep people safe, to keep ourselves safe, not to overwhelm the NHS. I can do my job from home, so I'll stay at home and follow the guidance. When you're doing it for quite a long period of time, that's when it can become draining because I think the end isn't in sight. Mm. And I don't know how you found it, Richard, but at the beginning, working from home was really stressful. Me and my partner, obviously, we work in the same organisation. At the time, we were in the same function as well when I worked in finance. So we were working on our kitchen table side by side trying to host teams calls on similar subject areas as well so that could be quite off-putting 
but we managed to get through that. My son was upstairs trying to learn his GCSEs because he was only in year 10 at that point. So mm. on top of the stress and pressure and anxiety around what is this pandemic, how deadly is this disease going to be, to do all of that in the very first part of the pandemic, you could cope with it to a degree because you thought it's okay. Like we never anticipated it would go on for as long as it did. Mm. So we were then fortunate enough to move house and our circumstances changed. So it was more manageable, but I just don't know how families and other people with smaller children have coped. It was hard enough for us. And there were points where we were just climbing the walls and we're not designed to be with the same people day in, day out, living under the same roof, doing everything together. And that does take its toll on people. I don't know how your experience was, Richard, if you found the same or whether it was a different perspective. I think some of the same things that you've talked about, Emily. I mean, I tended to throw myself into work because work was kind of what we had. Mm-hmm. There was my family at home most of the time. My, my wife's a, a teacher. My, my daughter goes to school. But in that first lockdown, then uh, all of us were at home. So, you know, we had that. I wasn't, I wasn't lonely in that sense. But I think you know, I became aware over time that I was investing a lot in work because, you know, it kept me busy. And there was a lot, there were lots to do. It was a busy year, that first year of the pandemic. But I think it was something that I talked to you about at one point was that when that's all that you do, you know, I, I discovered that, I, I mean, I was missing being with friends. I was, I was missing the fact that, that I normally go once every fortnight and play the ukulele with a bunch of people. And although I have friends at work, I was investing a lot in those relationships because there wasn't really you know much of another outlet and of course those were only over video calls they weren't face to face during that period so i think even though i'd say you know i had a pretty decent pandemic i didn't have terrible problems i didn't have great lows i still think that it's been tricky and, and i think particularly this last time when we were advised to work from home just before christmas there were a bunch of things that we were going to do in the office just before christmas that i was looking forward to but also I'd got used to, to that contact. You know, it almost felt like the worst of all, that it was kind of snatched away just at that moment. And it was sort of back to, oh, you know, we've got another wave of what we've been doing for the last few years. So so actually, I found that, that one quite hard. Yeah, no, I can I can relate to that quite well, because we were starting to feel, weren't we, a bit like you hear people go on about the new normal and things like that, or back to normal. And it is a bit of a cliche, but it was starting to feel more natural again you were going into the office you were seeing your colleagues plans were being made and then for them to be whipped out from underneath people was just at times like you just go really but I think we've become quite resistant to that which is not a good thing in my opinion because we shouldn't be expecting disappointments or knowing that good plans that we've got coming up are going to be whipped from underneath us and mm. and like I was saying, at the beginning, it was OK because you thought you could see a light at the end of the tunnel. So we kind of then went through that phase of, OK, it's starting to get back to normal. Some people were going back into the offices. The children went back to school. The pressure was taken off. But then the, the other side of the coin flipped where you weren't seeing anybody. A lot of your colleagues and stuff were still working from home. So you were still doing it through virtual and I'm sure many people can relate to Teams and Zoom fatigue out there. 
of being in front of the screen every day, day in, day out throughout the week. So it's just been quite an environment for somebody that would suffer from mental health or has never suffered with it before. It could be quite triggering. And I think you can find that it spirals at times as well. And that's where you've got to put in strategies and look out for those triggers and speak to your colleagues and your friends and your family and really let them know how you're feeling so and and they will pick up on those as well when you say that you're not feeling great and then you get through that phase and things are okay again the next time that you're not you're starting to go downhill and feeling yourself getting towards that stage where you're thinking this is not good mentally your friends and family and colleagues around you will pick up on what you spoke to them about before and recognize the signs and be able to help catch you if you'd like to say before it gets too bad Mm. i'm glad that we have things like time to talk day because i think in in the past and you know, particularly when I started working and, and, and in the earlier part of my working life, we, we just re- really weren't thinking about those sorts of things. And while I, I didn't have too many things have happened in my life that, that would have come under that umbrella where, where I would have been in, in trouble, nonetheless, I wasn't really aware that colleagues might be going through those things or, or really thinking about it. It wasn't up front. And I think that at least the fact that we've started to talk about it in the workplace now means that we're looking out for each other a bit more um, and we don't feel as ashamed, I guess, to talk about it if it is something that's that's affecting us. And I think we're really fortunate in our organisation that we've got such good support within our benefits programme and within the workplace, we've got all the mental health first aiders. Even just going on the course, I did it and I went on it for two reasons. One, to raise my own awareness of my own mental health and also because I was intrigued to fill any any bits of information that I was missing and with the intention to go on and be able to help people and support people around me but you know people can go on that course and just do it for the knowledge and get a grasp and understanding they don't then have to be a mental health first aider I mean that's fantastic to have that within a business whereas some of these smaller businesses they don't have that offering for their colleagues Mm. But it is good that all of the other organisations, the government, the doctors, Time to Talk Day, they, all of those fantastic charities and things, they are enabling people to be able to educate themselves. Yeah, that's key. And if if you're listening to this and there isn't something that's available in in the organisation where you work or if you're self-employed or, you know, you you have to fall back on your own resources a bit, as you say, there are are charities, there are people that you can talk to in in that way. There's lots of of resources available online. So you, you can still find out what you need to know. And I know that when my line manager spoke to me in the new year and he said, how are you doing? How are you feeling about work? Obviously, we go into it with a bit of a fresh mindset, don't we? We've discussed that on previous podcasts where we we kind of used it as a bit of a reset and reevaluate where we're at and what we want to do within our careers. And I was really honest with my boss and I said, you know what? I'm actually feeling really flat. Like we've just had a really nice Christmas period. Now we're all back to working from home where we can. And I'm just not feeling motivated about it. Like, I'm pissed off that we couldn't do our Christmas things. Mm. And now we're in this moment of January is a bit of a blue month anyway. Mm. 
like you said, you know, the weather's rubbish. You're too fat because you've eaten all of the Christmas sweets and things like that. So you, there's so much pressure to go out there and dry January and and go out and get fit and join the gym and create a new you and a new body. And actually, do you know what? That's the last thing that I want to think about in January because you've got so much cheese and biscuits and chocolate left over from the festive period that the last thing you want to do is go and start thinking about going out for a run as well as, you know, challenging everything at work. So I think the fact that I could speak to my line manager and actually have that dialogue with him and honestly say that as well as him going, nope, I can relate to that. I know what you mean. And just knowing that I'm not the only one feeling like that is always a godsend. Mm. So I think for me, it's about finding, we've said it before, when you speak to somebody about it and I always come to you when we go into our peer coaching sessions where I say, I don't know why I've brought this to you because as I'm talking it through, I know what I've got to do to get out of this funk, but actually by speaking to somebody about it, you're holding yourself accountable, aren't you? Mm. I think also that opportunity to talk to somebody, you think about what you want to say to them, or maybe even just in the moment, even that having to articulate it, having to turn it into a coherent thought helps you to process it and deal with it. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it may be that the other person doesn't have a huge amount to do in the conversation, but nonetheless, they've provided a valuable service by helping you come to your own conclusion. So yeah, you should never be worried about that as, as an outcome. I mean, in the end, if, you, if you're helped, it doesn't really matter whether it's the brilliance of the other person that, or, or your own brilliance that came to the conclusion. Yeah, and it literally can be, can't it? Talking it through and articulating it. And actually, I've found a lot of the time that I might not necessarily have the answer to the conundrum that I'm going through at the time. But when I just start speaking to somebody about it, I find the solution myself. And you're like, mm. but it's that light bulb moment, isn't it? And you go, why, mm. why didn't I think that before? Why was I getting myself stuck in a rut? And it's the things like motivation when that dips at work you go right i know that we've spoken about eat the frog before and just switching things up we do get we are habitual creatures aren't we we get stuck in that that rat run of doing things the same way and then it becomes routine and then you get too adverse to to change in that mindset when something's not working but it's really good to mix it up so when we talked about our resolutions or pledges for, for the new year, and they were all fairly small things, so we, we weren't trying to radically change the way that we live or work, but they were things that, that were perhaps achievable. And I, I think just keeping those small things in mind, acknowledging the fact that we don't always achieve them every day, as we talked about on that episode, I think it helps. I think it helps to have that in the front of our minds and we can just say, well, I, I remember that my objective... <laughs> for this year was to knock off the important things to do the thing that's that's a bit unpleasant and get it out of the way mm -hmm. rather than to keep putting it off and I, I maybe won't achieve it every day but I've got another go at it the day after yeah and I think confession time I haven't been out for a morning walk once yet in January before the day has started so <laughs> That's why I don't make New Year's resolutions because I never stick to them. January is the worst month, I think, to even yeah. attempt that. But I have done quite a few lunchtime walks. So like you say, you may not have achieved it quite the way that I set it out, yeah. 
but there's always tomorrow isn't there and always a different time in the day to achieve that walk and the good news is that when i said goodbye to my wife this morning it was uh, 7 25 and it was already light so yeah. every day it's getting better i mean I, I sorry this is this is a very northern hemisphere thing to be talking about but but every day it is getting a bit lighter and so maybe maybe in a, in a month or two's time it'll feel a bit easier to go out for a walk in the morning if that's what you want to do and if it isn't that's fine well and not only that the evenings are getting lighter as well may i just add it's 10 past five i'm looking at my window and the light street lights aren't even on and it's daylight still so you know you can start well. getting those walks in as well after work that's what i keep telling myself <laughs> Okay, so I know and I just touched on it slightly about mixing things up and that we get into bad habits and that cycle of doing things in a certain way. And I found recently that Mondays seem to be my my damp day of the, the week where I've just had a nice weekend. I'm going up against that barrier of coming back into the home office and it's quiet and you've got to prepare for the week so when I was in the office last week I've started going into the office making myself go into the office at least two times a week mm. and I went out with a nice lunch walk with a colleague and she said we were talking about Mondays and how like they just seem to be a bit of a struggle for me at the moment and she was like you should come into the office like mm. come and see us in the office because I kind of find the same with Mondays as well and I thought actually do you know what why why don't I do that oh because I always do the college run on a Monday morning. But that's okay. If I need to, what I can do is I can do the college run, go into the office for a small part of the day from, say, mm -hmm. like nine till three before I have to go off and pick them up again. Mm. And I was like, why, why am I saying that I can't do that? Because I've got to go and do the college run. And it's because, obviously, I'm into a routine of that's what I need to do. But... And sometimes I think changing things up can seem a bit bit scary, I suppose, because you're going, yeah. oh, but I've got to get back into it. You know, this is kind of working, but it's not. And I know I need to change it to make it work better. But there's these hurdles that I've got to overcome. So you just sometimes, <laughs> it's exactly the advice I gave you, wasn't it? Rip off the Band-Aid, eat the frog, whatever analogy you want to use to go and change things up and recognize that it's not working this way, but that's okay, go and change it. And actually, if I was to go into the office on a Monday and find I'm just rushing around too much, I'm not fitting my productive work hours in that I want to fit in and achieving what I need to achieve, that's okay. Monday's clearly, I just need to reframe them a bit better at home which I started doing. So I was making sure I was prepared the night before, doing the smoothies, getting the tea out, being an adult really, you know, having to do all the boring stuff the night before on a Sunday evening, which you don't really want to use the last bit of your weekend for. But if it makes that big a difference to your, the way your Monday starts and your list mm. of jobs aren't as long, then actually it's worth it. Mm. I think there's stuff where we've discussed with yourself isn't there where you've had to change things around a bit is there anything you want to add from that side of things i'm conscious that this time i'm doing all the talking 
well, you know, I, I, I think it'll be refreshing for our listeners. Um, I think that's a very sensible suggestion, and it's not that hard to incorporate it into your life. The idea that you take some pressure or heat out of a particular situation by preparation or by thought or by investing a, a little bit beforehand and life is unpredictable i mean if if it was if it were possible to completely predict and control our lives well it'd be it'd be boring so so that might be a problem too but we still have probably more control than we think over what we can do and certainly as we've discussed i i tend to wake up quite early in the mornings and so I've used that time. I've tried to use that time productively. You know, it'd be nice to to just read a book or um, watch TV or whatever. And sometimes I do do that. But some, but but if I invest that in some of the things that I need to do, then maybe that allows me to get ahead, to be well planned and prepared. And then I, I can take some time out of the day later on to do something that I want to do, mm-hmm. if that works then. It very much depends on the type of work that you do and the situation you're in. Not everyone is able to be as flexible as that. But, but where you have the flexibility, I think it does make sense to try and do things you know at a time that makes sense to you yeah because like you say it would be nice to read the book in the morning but if you've identified that as the time that actually you can use a power hour to get loads of organization in there and and plan your day out and then Mm. later you can get that that time in to read the book because you've you've done it earlier in the morning Mm. well i mean definitely there's a period where there aren't loads of notifications coming in there aren't loads of emails and i know that we're always told ignore those you know don't don't let yourself get distracted easier said than done it absolutely is and it's sometimes dangerous as well to ignore them because there are times when you could put out a little spark and then if you leave it for an hour it becomes a roaring inferno and then it can take you ages to sort it out whereas if you just dealt with the spark it had been sorted so so i think yeah for, for me that ability to spend an hour thinking about the day to come getting on top of stuff before those things start coming in is invaluable so yeah that's that's at the heart of what i do and it, it does seem compared with how i used to work it does seem kind of weird to, sometimes to be working between 6 30 and 7 30 or whatever in the morning but if i get what i need out of that time and, and then i can i can take time off at a later point during the day then i think that that's really helpful really works for me yeah and i think that's been the positive that we've all seen from the pandemic is how it's allowed us to be a lot more flexible and kind of write our own script to a degree on what hours we're going to work when we're going to show up and because as soon as I started going back into the office I put that pressure on myself of right I used to leave the house at seven o'clock in the morning I get into the office by half seven then I could get my power hour in like you say before most people are there and the emails start coming in and I've kind of went to myself the other day when I like I say I got like the college run is a new thing for me I never used to have to do the school run or the college run you'd get on the bus whereas I have to do the college run this time Mm. and that's a new factor to bring into it so it's just about looking at the way that things have progressed and changed and going that's all right I don't need to go to my boss and go oh really sorry I'm going to be an hour late into the office today or I'm going to be an hour late logging on because I've got to do such and such you kind of just do it now because you know that you just make that time up later in the day or you'll have a shorter lunch Mm. and I think the other thing that I've recognized as well is that that loneliness of working from home 
I don't know if you found it yourself as well, Richard, with your wife being back at work as a teacher and your daughter back at school and you're, you're sat at home on the laptop with nobody else about. Some people find that heaven. I find that hell. And I've really noticed it over the last few weeks. And that's why I've been forcing myself to go back into the office because I'm an extrovert and I get all of my energy off of people. And I do find that my partner's noticed it as well when he comes home and I haven't seen anybody. I haven't had any Teams meetings necessarily because it's a focus day where I'm getting lots of work done. Mm. I've had no deliveries from the postman through the door. I've got to that stage where, you know, the postman's almost my best friend and the cat's going, will you please stop talking to me? He walks through the door and <laughs> and in the evening, he's like just had a busy day at work. He's been interacting with people because he's been in the office and seen people. So he's all right. Yeah. Um, and he comes through the door and I'm going, blah, 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 blah. and he's like, oh, my God. You can... And he says to me, are you going into the office this week? Because <laughs> he can yeah. clearly see that actually Emily needs that interaction from other mm. people. And I don't know yeah, whether you've found the same at points where you've gone, I haven't spoken to anyone for, I think your job's slightly different, isn't it? Where you do generally interact with quite a lot of people on a daily basis. Yeah, I mean, sometimes being able to extricate myself from lots of meetings is is a bliss in itself. I mean, look, I am introverted, but I'm, but I'm not so introverted that I don't like human contact. So I'm finding my own company for a bit. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not kind of straining at the leash trying to think, who can I talk to? But equally, I do love talking to people. I do like the interaction. The reason we're doing these podcasts is because it's a conversation and it's interesting to talk with people and to, and to listen and to understand your views better from a, with a bit of challenge and with a bit of discussion. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've certainly appreciated the ability to see people face to face more in recent times. Yeah, I think the first day in the week when I'm at home, it probably isn't that big a deal. But I, I think if I do five days straight at home and there's nobody around at home with me by the end of that I'm, I'm definitely feeling it it's definitely more of a struggle for me too we're not supposed i think as humans to be without contact with other humans we're not we're not really made to just be on our own no we're not we've got that pack mentality haven't we where we go around in our communities and get our energy off of each other and i was just looking at some of the mental health stats out there at the moment for mental health at work and mm. so one in 6.8 people are experiencing mental health problems in the workplace. That's 14.7% of people. Yeah. And women in full-time employment are nearly mm. twice as likely to have a common mental health problem as full-time employed men. So for me, that is it's very believable because, mm. you know, I, I have to I have to accept, you know, for, for my gender that we're pretty good at making things easy for ourselves and <laughs> and heaving the problems elsewhere. Now, look, I mean, personally, I try really hard to be fair and, and to take a, a, an equal burden, but you know, th there's no doubt that there have been times, simply the childcare thing. Mm. For financial reasons, my wife took time off work to look after our daughter and I went back to work because it just didn't make sense for it to, to do it the other way around. But, you know, invariably, that meant that she was stuck on her own at home for long periods. And that didn't do an awful lot for her mental health at the time. So, so look, I mean, it, it, it doesn't surprise me that, that, that women suffer more because you're put in situations that, that can be pretty tough. Yeah, and I think that 
times are changing with that as well. I bumped into a colleague in the office last week and they've got a four month old baby hmm. and obviously inquired how they're doing, things like that. And he is about to go on a three month paternity leave. They're sharing hmm. the paternity leave. And I've heard yeah. that you can do that, but I've never spoken to anybody hmm. that's actually done it. And that's really good that actually they've recognized and that's now available within organizations to be able to go out and do that. So I think that that balance, don't get me wrong, yeah. I'm not an overbearing feminist that goes out there on the picket lines with my, my placards going rights for women. But I do have a strong passion that actually we should be treated as equals. And why should it be seen that when you go off on, say, maternity leave, it's Oh, have a nice year off. Have mm. a nice year off. It's certainly easier doing the J job than bringing yeah. a new baby into the world. Um, yeah. And I think that that probably does have a bearing on mm. why that statistic is that women in full-time employment are twice as likely to have a common mental health problem. Yeah, and I, I think I would have enjoyed taking the time off, I think, but uh, but I th but it would have been really tough. I mean, I'm I'm not kidding myself that it would have been in any way easy. It would have been blooming hard work. But I, th I can see the attraction of being able to spend time with, in in my case, with my daughter when she was really young, that I didn't get. But but yeah, I know that it was tough for my wife. So yeah, I, I don't I, I I certainly wouldn't ever think of it as being a rest or or an, or an easy option. No, and it's just it encourages me so much to see that all of the different mental health conditions out there the awareness is being raised so much and the employers out there have got to keep up with it mm. because i don't like to say it but it almost feels like it's becoming quite a competitive market that that's one of the factors that people will look to when they're mm. out there on the job search and mm. if an employer doesn't necessarily provide it or have an understanding of it that kind of would be a bit of a red flag to me of, well, it's very common one in six people mm. are experiencing mental health problems in the workplace. So how mm. are they just going to support me to keep me as productive and back in the fold as quickly as possible? Yeah. So so one thing that I am aware of where, where men are involved, and I think it, it comes back to my own situation, is that we don't talk about stuff. Mm. So I think you're right in saying, probably women suffer from this more than men but when men do suffer from it I think we're very poor at sharing it and discussing it and so sometimes we suffer unnecessarily you know and certainly I've got experiences in in my life where I have contained a problem you know I haven't shared it I can think back to an occasion in my work life where I had a bad review one year which I felt was really unfair but I didn't talk to my wife about it. In fact, I was determined that I wasn't going to allow that to affect my life. But the problem is that, that in a way, it still does. Because although I was acting at home as if there, there hadn't been a problem, as if everything was normal, that acting is an effort and it's, and it's not the truth, is it? Mm. For men of my generation, I think also there's, there was this thing about being a provider. I mean, maybe that's still true now. But there was this real sense of if you are not providing for your family, you're a, you're a, a failure. Yeah. It's a real falling short. So so anything I guess that threatens that and the, the sense that look, 
people at work don't see me as as having contributed well you know maybe that's a threat in future to my continued employment i you know i, I don't really want to acknowledge that i don't want to think about what that might be i don't want that threat to to, to being able to provide effectively for my family so yeah there's a whole there's a whole bunch of things that are bound up in that but i think when we don't talk about those things when we keep them to ourselves you know there's the danger that they build up and, and become something worse so in my case thankfully that didn't happen and since that point i've had a lot of really good reviews at work so so it's not really it's not a problem that, that continues to follow me but I, I can see how that could have resulted in, in a spiral if i hadn't been careful yeah and that is the thing like historically men do struggle to talk about their emotions more and it's that whole macho oh no you can't show a sign of weakness because you need to be a man's man and actually i think it's the flip that when you can be in touch with your emotions and open and honest about how you're feeling and when you are struggling that's a sign of strength because you're not allowing to get yourself to the point of spiraling out of control and that can that's really hard to do as well and like you say you were fortunate that it didn't end in that you ended up getting good reviews and and you picked yourself off i'm intrigued to, to know whether or not your wife ever called your bluff and worked out that there was something else going on because we have quite good spidey sense for that <laughs> yeah well look my wife knows almost everything there is to know about me in in, in the time that we've been together she's no she's very good at uh, being able to spot when something is amiss so yeah uh, we certainly at some point in the intervening time have, have talked about that since but yeah it's always a mistake i think to try and hide stuff because whilst it might be a temporary relief, it might be it might be hard to, to talk about it. It might it might bring up difficult emotions. It might be an uncomfortable conversation. But I think whenever we bury something because we we're afraid to talk about it, it just leads to it being more difficult to talk about it next time and it becoming a bigger problem. So generally better to get it out early and deal with it. He says, having not always done that. <laughs> Yeah, but it's it's very true, though. It's much better to get that out. And I think that's because, you know, we do have that back in the day. You didn't have that understanding of mental health. And I even experienced that myself the first time I ever came into a situation where my mental health deteriorated was, I mean, you're going back 16 or so years now. So if you think about how far we've come in the awareness of, of mental health, I just had my son. I was going through some, some personal stuff there. I only took six months maternity leave. And when I went back to work, I was still going through the personal stuff, which was actually very traumatic at the time. And it took a lot of my energy with a newborn baby going back into the workplace to a very small business. And it was no... Looking back on it now, it wasn't their fault, but it was just that they didn't have the understanding and neither did I, as somebody that had never experienced any mental health problems throughout their life, mm. Yeah. to then be like, it comes down on you sometimes. Like, I don't even know the way to describe it. Like you just, it creeps up on you and hits you really hard. And it resulted in me underperforming at work underperforming at home as well i just felt like i was failing as being a mum failing as being a, a worker and then 
that actually resulted once I came out the other side, well, before I came out the other side of that episode, where I changed my job because I just needed to be able to change something that was within my control and because I wasn't getting the support I needed there, I left that that business and went somewhere else. I'm not saying that I got what I needed in the next business, but the avoidance. So what was what you were saying there about not talking about these things? It really is important to talk these things through because if I had gone to my boss and felt that I could sit down with him and go, I'm really struggling. I didn't want to have to come back after six months of being off with my son, but financially I need to be here. I was really good at my job before I went on maternity leave, but all of this has happened in the last six months. How Mm. can I work with you? How can you support me and I can support my job role? Oh, well, you know, we could, instead of making you full time, you could do four days over five or Mm. or reduce it down to to 50% in in the short term while you're going through all these personal struggles. And I know that it's come on in leaps and bounds and like, there's been occasions in the last few years where I've just had to take, not due to work stress, but due to personal stresses, I've had to take that time out of work where I just go and reset for a couple of weeks. And I think that just shows how much mental health's coming along. And I, I keep rambling on about it in these podcasts, but communication with people is so key. Mm. And trust in your gut as well. I think when you, you, you know in yourself when something's not right, that your gut is a really good measure of what to do with that. So I think we've discussed, Richard, that for you as a male person, that it's not always easy to open up and talk about things. And I think with mental health, that's really the key is it's all right and don't be afraid the stigma around mental health obviously is is being broken down through media and just the general awareness that's being raised with it so you know if you sense that you're not quite feeling right reach out to all of those charities that are out there reach out to a friend or a colleague or your line manager and just start having that initial chat it always seems quite scary to think because you you can second guess yourself and say well you know am I just being stupid and things but sometimes even just having that sounding board can can reassure you and make you feel that you're okay and you're not the only one in that boat at that particular time and it's all too easy with mental health conditions to to put it off put it off and put it off speaking to people always reach out to those charities there's an abundance of material online that are accessible to anyone for free and so many organizations out there that will be willing to help yeah great i i absolutely agree emily with that necessity i think to speak with someone other than yourself the clarity that someone else can bring to, this, to the situation, the clarity even that you articulating the, uh, your position to somebody else can bring that you may not have otherwise, I think uh, is very valuable. Yeah, and I think mental health is a subject that I'll probably never stop talking about. And it's a subject that will you'll never get to the point where there's no content to talk about with it. I think it's so common these days, whether that's in the workplace or outside of the workplace, one in six people. And that's quite an alarming alarming stat out there so yeah thank you for listening 
So I guess that brings us to the close then of this episode. Thanks for listening to another of our podcasts. Podbean featured this podcast on its in its app and on its website for five weeks in late December, early January. And essentially doing that, it, it doubled our reach, which was great. So if you're listening to us now because you came across us on Podbean and uh, because they featured us, then it's great. We're really pleased about that. So for one last time, we're going to feature Podbean on this podcast. Podbean is an easy to use and cost effective way to create your own podcast. You can download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcasts and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. So head on over to Podbean, that's P-O-D-B-E-A-N at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 to get your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. And if you want to contact us, you can get in contact with us via our email, which is ifhurtnotwork at gmail.com. And you can go on our website and find loads of information out about why we're doing the podcast and find all of the latest episodes on there. And that is ifhurtnot.work. And look, I mean, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know what it is that you think about the podcast. It would be great to hear from you about what you'd like us to be talking about. Um, I mean, this one's been another one of our head-to-heads, just the the two of us, but we have got other guests lined up for future episodes. But yeah, I I guess it'd be interesting to know which sort of those episodes you like hearing the most. And I think we're probably going to be putting out a survey sometime soon via LinkedIn. So it'd be great to hear from you in response to that so so that you can can tell us, I guess, you know, what works best for you. Because in the end, although we enjoy doing this, we do this for other people to listen to. So it's important that we know what it is you'd like to hear so we can tailor it to you. And as ever gaining new followers and listeners is is our aim here to to build that community so if you've enjoyed the podcast please get in touch with people and share the platforms that you've listened to it with them so that they can engage with us as well but like we've said before if you don't like it don't need to let us know that great yes if you're able to for instance leave a review on apple Podcasts, that would be great that, that I think greatly influences how people come across podcasts. But word of mouth is brilliant as well. And if you can listen to this from LinkedIn, you can also just do the really easy bit and pop a little comment on below the post and give us your ideas as well. And I do promise at one point I will get our Instagram account up and running and more engaging for everybody that listens to us and wants to see us through there. So yeah, get your reviews in and get your suggestions in and we're we cover those topics yeah and i keep a, a lookout on linkedin so if, so if you do leave a comment then i will try and make sure that we get back to it you know so that you you know that we've seen it and followed up on it brilliant so until next time it's goodbye from me <laughs> yeah and from me and we'll be back speaking to you again in about a month see you later Welcome to our next episode of If It's Not Hurting. If it's not hurting. <laughs> if it's hurting. <laughs>
Do you, remember, do you remember question why we called it that when I'm trying to say it all the time? I should know it by now. It's not that I don't know it, it's that I get my words muddled up. And um, I guess we, we, I'm about as articulate today as I was yesterday. <laughs> um, See, I've written this script, now I've got to reread it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. Mm. It's going to be approximate anyway. Oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, no, it always is. One in 6.8. No, hold on. One in 6.8. Oh, yeah, you can tell I haven't read these yet. So, um... <sighs> <laughs> You've forgotten it as well, haven't you? 